0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to L2R2 PlayStation Podcast. My name is Fonzie. I'm Joe by my co-host, Cal Monroe from Across the Pond. Cal, it's been a minute. How you been these past couple of weeks?
1: Very good. Very um, yeah, festive and Christmassy. And, and by that, I mean eating uh, lots and lots of food yep. and drinking lots. So on that kind of uh, that knife edge where you're trying to turn around your uh end of the year kind of uh, lack of motivation and you know try and get back to some normality you know been back at work for a week that which has been difficult uh but you know trying to just um yeah start the new year and and knuckle down because it's very easy to get lost in the kind of end of the year uh festivities where you kind of just put everything off to the next year um, right so, now yeah back to work uh of sort of uh living up to your your promise to yourself that you made when you you know decided that you were going to do nothing for the rest of the year so uh so yeah so I think everyone's in that kind of like same limbo you know trying to like live be be normal people again but um but yeah it's uh I had a really nice time seeing family and uh nice to you know see the back end of of another kind of question questionable year but um yeah how was uh how was your your festivities
0: it was good yeah hung out and um same thing ate a bunch of food and i'm in the same well I'm in, I'm in the boat where and it happens every year where it's like i know i need to go back to the gym but also don't want to do it when everyone's doing it first of january you know like yeah. doing the new year stuff but also yeah. why do i care it's like as long as i'm in there but i just don't yeah. want to be that dude like everybody else that's going in there but at the same time like who cares you're in the gym you're, you got yeah. there but I find excuse after excuse, like it's not a bunch, so I just keep adding to the list of like, uh, and then my shoulder hurts today for no reason. So I'm like, maybe I shouldn't go. You know, I don't <laughs> want to stress that. Maybe yeah. talk to the doctor or something. But yeah, but it's it's been good. overall, it's been good.
1: Well that's that's the thing about living, you know, somewhere where, you know, the winters are cold and the summers are, are warm. Um this time of year you don't really want to start anything like well, for me anyway, exercise related because it's just too cold. Right. Um I just don't want to leave the house uh, at the moment, uh, just because of yeah the weather. But I mean, actually saying that today was lovely. It was a really nice day today uh, after a pretty stormy few days. But um, but yeah, I, I I think that definitely help doesn't help you know trying to like regain your motivation when it's freezing. You don't want to get out of bed and, uh, and in this very you know, bleak weather. So hopefully, as things start to lighten up as well, it should make these uh, you know <laughs> New Year's resolutions.
0: Yeah, and i'll see plenty of like either on instagram TikTok, people are like oh if you're stuck at home here's a list of 10 you know workouts you can do body resistance workouts and i'm like just get out of my face it's like i I made my choice to not go anywhere and i'm at home leave me alone so it's like yeah i could do stuff at home it's just come on give me a break
1: it and it doesn't work for like you know I, I live in like a block of flats so i can't be jumping around and i'll either you know, i'll get a, a big complaint from the right. person below me or or i'll fall through into their apartment so <laughs> uh yeah it's it's even more, more difficult when when you can't really do do I guess I could do some I'd have to try and figure out like what, what what's underneath me and uh, what time to do them but yeah it, it's not it's not like the I think on paper it sounds like the best alternative to not wanting to go out and do anything but even then it's still it's still difficult the exercise is the is the heart is the horrible part I think is what it right. boils down to
0: and you can find like there's planks you can do where you're just basically I don't know, like laying down, you're perpendicular with the ground and you're holding yourself by your by your elbows. And that is a kick in the ass for sure. And you're just you're just, you know, positioning yourself there. So you don't have to jump around. And it's it's crazy how if you want to feel out of shape, try doing that for like thirty seconds and it's nuts because you're using your entire body and yeah. it's terrible. But yeah, you don't have to jump around or anything. That's another workout that I saw that was pushed on me online that I didn't want to see, but yeah, that's one. <laughs>
1: yeah i think to this kind of christmas period has been the first time where i've really noticed that like i've been eating a lot and packing on some pounds so i think that's always like a nice way of kind of being like a reality check where you're like right you've yeah. engorged too much now it's uh you know time to try and try and make sure you don't like have five years left to live
0: yeah and I can't wear hoodies for the rest of my life. It's like I find myself just finding the loosest clothing right now just to make myself feel normal. But it's tough, yeah. man. But yeah, besides uh, working on stuff, uh, did you get to play any games this week or are these uh, over the break?
1: Since yesterday, I've been playing through uh, the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, oh. which is which is uh, yeah now on uh, Game Pass, which is uh, pretty pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, so I've been mostly glued to that, as you as you
0: could expect. I see. Yeah, I saw that that was on Game Pass, and yeah, they have just every every couple of weeks. It's always some great addition, and I have no excuse now to play it. Now that it's on Game Pass, it's just uh, it's just a it's a big commitment to jump in, but I do get to try and jump in on there. I also jumped into Fallout Three a couple of weeks ago, and um, I had the same urge just to jump back in. I just hate the beginning. It's so slow. I just want to you know jump into yeah. the open world, and I never have a save ready to go where I can just like start playing. So it's kind of a bummer, but yeah, it's a great game.
1: Yeah, yeah, Fallout Three is great. It's been really, really nice to get back to it, and it's been long enough for me to forget some things. So, like some, you know, especially like when it comes to like the humor and on like the different terminals and things. If you you know explore and read everything, um, there's lots of. It's just such a great game. There's 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 not many things with such like character like that anymore. But uh, but Mass Effect, you know, playing through because obviously i played mass effect quite recently uh, for the first time on pc and i really didn't enjoy the first one but replaying it through with all the work they've done to it it's just it's just an absolute joy like just completely addicted to it again um already even though i I only played it through recently for the first time it's already like a completely different experience you know speaking to different characters taking a bit more time with it as well uh, because i kind of rushed through it the first time and now I'm actually enjoying it. I'm able to take my time and get to see a bit more things. And um, just similarly to the first time I played it, I'm just super excited to, you know, get through to two and three as well because they are far better. And it also is, it's where you can start to see your choices uh, taking effect as well.
0: Yeah, I know Um, we had covered kind of with the stuff, the news surrounding that, that remaster remake and they seem mm-hmm. to have improve that first game with the, just the combat there's the traversal with that vehicle and just the overall pacing and it seems yeah like they nailed it uh going back to it and kind of fixing those uh those um you know issues people had with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure it's um yeah it's it's been really nice to to play that and also sometimes you're not sure how much a game's going to grab you especially if it's one you've played fairly recently within the past sort of year or two. Um and yeah it's just completely hooked on that again. Um and the only other thing probably worth mentioning is I played through the gunk, uh, which is obviously not on PlayStation, but, um, it, yeah, it's something I played over the, the holidays as well.
0: I played maybe about three hours of the gunk as well. I saw you posted about it and it was something that was on my radar too. And it's a pretty neat game. Like it's kind of, uh, it's easy to, to fall into it and just start cleaning stuff and, and trying to, you know, travel through the world a bit more and unlock stuff and, and the, 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 visual quality is really uh, nuts. Like it looks really good. Um, I thought the story was pretty interesting. Like the character, the characters are cool. The actual you know, yeah. models of everyone is really unique. Um, I don't know if that gameplay, how long it lasts with cleaning up the gunk. I know they kind of mix some platforming puzzle stuff in there, but, um, did you finish it? What did you think with it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I finished it and yeah, it, it just, I think what I really like about it is is so much variety in the place you go to. And like you said, you know, the, the, Platforming puzzles are slowly introduced to it, and towards the end, you know, it becomes a, a really the main part of the game. I don't think cleaning up the gunk is as much of a back from the trailers and things. It's it's a lot more, uh, you know, puzzle based as well. But it is simple enough to just sit there and you know play through it. And and like you said, something that really surprised me is was the characters were great. The story was, not, you know, nothing crazy, but it was really really nicely told. I think the characters. Are, keep you safe and it and towards the end you start to learn things about you know the 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 main character's got like a missing arm the glycopartic arm and it kind of explains why the characters are the way they are and it's just a really nice and easy digestible adventure that i just don't really think does anything wrong i think it's just a really nice game and it seems to hit all the right notes in you know all different areas of the kind of game it's trying to be i think and uh yeah i was really really pleasantly surprised and it has even made me think about like branching out more on the, the different games that maybe i already own or that are on game pass or these you know different subscription services because that's not a game i would generally see in in play but it definitely brought a lot of like uh maybe nostalgia for games that that, that used to come out that maybe were you know really tight and and told a nice little adventure story
0: yeah, and I, I was following some of the, the reviews when they came out because it was on my radar, and um, they were all kind of, um, they're just average. Like, I found that interesting. A lot of the, there wasn't a lot to take home from, uh, at least for, like, the big review outlets, but, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I think of it, it's kind of weird where if you're a game that launches and you're just fine, it's kind of you get forgotten about, but you didn't do anything wrong, like you were just saying. It's like they didn't have anything to really, you know, become memorable, but it was, it seems like it's still a fine experience. Um I remember one point playing through it and I, I liked the uh, dialogue back and forth between your your kind of your main hub person who's in the ship and then your main character and as you start to you have the same curiosity as your character where it's like you want to kind of dig deeper into the world and your your main person on the on the line like wants to have lunch and I kept thinking like yeah. oh can I just go back cuz I do want to have lunch with this person I feel like they they <laughs> yeah. at least earn that but I don't know if you can or yeah. the game just keeps proceeding forward cuz I wanted to learn more about the world too
1: yeah, it, it it definitely opens up a, a little bit. You you find like different fast travel points that allow you to go back, and you got all your upgrades and things. And um, yeah, there's just something really enjoyable about it that I found. And I don't know whether it's it's obviously not objectively like that for everybody else. Like you said, it it reviewed kind of averagely well. There was no, re- there was nothing really I didn't like about it. Um, to be honest, I just thought it was really well well-made and you can tell it's kind of it's done it does everything that it kind of sets out to which you know i think sometimes there's not enough of of games like that you know they're always going for these like big 20-hour replayable things or games as a service and it's just a nice nice game to kind of uh cleanse the the palette of all the other kind of stuff that's out
0: yeah it's funny there's been a conversation in the past day or two with um um there is a dying light. Dying light two. It was a. Uh, they announced that the game has you know 500 hours of gameplay, not to just complete the storyline, but to like to 100% everything. And there's been this kind of you know backlash with everyone saying, or at least adults saying, like, hey, I don't want that. I don't want these 500 hour packed experiences. And you know this is the kind of game where it's it is. It's the opposite of that, where it's it kind of knows what it wants to do. It's short and it just kind of you're in and out. And it has its. You know, identity kind of paced out, and the focus isn't this huge, you know, expansive world where you have to sink a bunch of time into. And a lot of people are looking for that.
1: Yeah, I think I think more people are maybe speaking up about liking uh, shorter games or not not shorter games necessarily, but more digestible <clears throat> experiences that don't require so much sort of work to to be put into it. I mean, there's lots of games that are maybe really simple and perhaps weren't massively complicated to make that people still put hours and hours and hours into um. but I think sometimes when games are just so big in scope that's where there tends to be a lot of things that can go wrong you know things might get overlooked or the game might not run quite as well as, as it could do or you know a host of of different things but I think when you do have a a like a tailored not necessarily linear but you know more more simple sort of experience then a lot of the times they can hit the mark uh you know in a much more effective way than these bigger games
0: i think those games are fine like some of the criticism with the at least the the response with dying light saying that there's you know five hours of gameplay it's not like you have to go and play 500 hours of it and you can complete the storyline in a faster amount so i think that's fine that that's there but you're not forced to play it so i did find that interesting with having people having that negative reaction where it's like i don't want this i don't want to have to play that long you don't have to you know you can play the single player i imagine it's shorter and then you're out but if you want to complete everything there is that full you know expansive world where you can sink a ton of time into and that's great but you also don't have to do that so i didn't see enough of that like in the responses where people going that's cool i'm not going to play it for 500 hours i'll play it for as much as i want and then i'll be done but yeah, there's another, um, continuing with Xbox Game Pass, but there's another one on there I played over the break. It's called X01. I don't know if you've seen that at all. I haven't. Known. It's really neat. And it's a uh, same kind of vibe where it's like you can jump in and you're just kind of cruising around in this game. So you play this, um, you're in the ship that looks like a flying disc that also turns into this spherical orb. And you're just kind of flowing through these alien worlds, almost like the the game flow on PS3 where it's... It's kind of like you're just experiencing this, and you're using gravity to kind of propel yourself and jump around, and you can ride the the air. There's also these really cool monuments and stuff around that you want to go and, and investigate, but you're just kind of moving around and flowing, and it's really cool. The sound is really dope. Um, yeah, it's just a game where you can kind of unplug and, and play it and and jump out whenever you want, but um, it's 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 really cool. I highly suggest it.
1: Yeah, that sounds That sounds awesome. Yeah, I think, it, especially when you're busy as well, it's nice to have games that, because as much as I try and play big games, you know, like playing Mass Effect or whatever, I think it's important to have sort of smaller games that you can put on if, you know, if you don't quite have time to sit down or, or, and and play or you know if you just want something just to switch off to late at night or or something then i think it's important to find these kinds of games that scratch that itch and i think you know game pass is perfect for that the gunk or you know this game you're, you're saying about they're probably not games we'd probably buy but the fact that they're there and they're you know free to try essentially um i think is is massive for games like that as well because it is normally the kinds of games that, that that maybe you wouldn't think about buying or wouldn't necessarily come up or jump at you from from a store. So um, it's you know, one example of why Game Pass is, is so good and so important.
0: Yeah, and uh, we covered before the break, there was rumors of PlayStation following suit with their own kind of um, subscription service that kind of competes with Game Pass. And the one thing I like about Game Pass is it feels like almost like you can kind of channel surf if you want. There's all these different flavors and vibes and moods for whatever you're into. So I can kind of just play around with, I'll jump in X01, the gunk, and maybe, you know, jump back into Halo multiplayer. It's like you can kind of just channel surf for whatever you're feeling. And it's a really cool thing to have in addition to these like big temple games. But I'm hoping Sony kind of follows with something like that. They do have their, we've talked about, they have their own kind of services that do somewhat compete. There is that um baked in ps5 um subscription that lets you play a lot of these classic ps4 games there's stuff like that but um there's just something to be said about how xbox has nailed this ability to jump in and play all this stuff that maybe you wouldn't buy flat out on your own mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right well we got some news we j- we can jump into you know what i did finally finish over the break was ratchet and clank rift apart nice It's very good. I highly suggest getting into there. It's uh, crazy beautiful, and one thing that pushed me to get back into it was I was watching Digital Foundry's kind of breakdown of the year, some of the best-looking games, performing games that they they were going through, and Ratchet was the number one for them, and um, so I decided just off of that, let me go back in. I was only like three, four hours away from the ending, and it's, man, just a really cool game. Love the platforming. It's crazy beautiful, and it's just fun. Like, it just feels like um, just bringing back, back that classic platforming from that genre is kind of you know left Gone by the Wayside and uh, and Insomniac just holding it on, on its shoulders and they're doing such a great job with it. It's um, just a blast to play and uh, there's plenty of stuff I could do to like 100% it but I just kind of finished the campaign and it was really really fun You gotta get it.
1: Yeah I'm super excited to play it. I think I've been saying I'm, I've waited so long as I wait for it to go on sale and I did see it went on sale for like 50 pounds I think but I think just because I've just got so much to play at the moment, and like I said, I've waited long enough now that I there's no really there's none of that like fear of missing out or, or anything that you normally get when a new game comes out. So I'm happy to you know wait until the the right opportunity arises, I I suppose, and I don't know what that is, but hopefully I'll recognize it when when I see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, same boat. Like I was in the not in the mood necessarily when it came out, so I waited a good while to to finish it. But um, I'm glad I did because. It's a blast. Uh, maybe in the next, you know, drought of between PS5 games in this year, you'll pick it up if it's on sale. But, yeah, it's really, really good. Played that. But, um, yeah, uh, we can jump into some of the news here, Callum. Start off with the first one. Uh, some quick-fire news. I just uh, decided to include some stuff that we don't have to spend a bunch of time on, but stuff that happened over these past two weeks. They did announce the PS Plus games, which are out now. You got Dirt 5 on PS4, PS5, Deep Rock Galactic, PS4, PS5, and Persona 5 Strikers on PS4. Um, let's see the next one here. PlayStation Discord integration spotted in the wild. Some Discord users able to link their PSN account to Discord. Nothing beyond that, but uh, data mining reveals that you'll be able to display what PS5, PS4 game you're currently playing through Discord. So that's a cool thing. Maybe I'm sure there's going to be other integration in the future, but at the moment, people have been able to find out that you can link these two things already. So that'd be cool. Uh, let's see, next one here, Death Stranding, Director's Cut, coming to PC in Spring 2022. Um, that's not a huge surprise. We already have the PC version of it, but that Director's Cut was apparently only on PS5. And man, I forget if there was a PS4 uh, release of that, or they're just calling the PS5 release the Director's Cut, I think was is what happened, possibly. Okay, well, that's coming to PC. Um, this next one here, if you wanna load up this video, um, it's Uncharted, uh, new trailer for the Uncharted movie. They showed off Sully's mustache. Um, so I have, you don't have to watch the entire trailer, but um, it's about two minutes, 11 seconds. It's at the very end of the trailer. They shot this mustache. The internet's been kind of uh, freaking out about it, but um, why don't you load it up and let me know what you think about this.
1: Yeah, I I, I think I saw it when it first came out as well. I think, it, I don't know what it is. It's just something about this film that I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing. I think it looks fun. Um, and yeah. I just I don't know what it is. Normally things like this I'm I just can't really be bothered with. But yeah, but I I like I'm I'm a sucker for you know like swashbuckling treasure films like Indiana Jones and and everything. And you know the Tomb Raider movies were were pretty fun. So maybe this one will be as well.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat too. Where it's that mustache is tough. And I thought I wanted that originally <laughs> when they first put out that uh, first trailer. And, you know there was no mustache shown, and now it's it's looking pretty rough, but. Maybe and I like that they joke about it in the trailer too. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 down to have some fun with this movie. Um, I was kind of worried about um, Naughty Dog's kind of integration into it, but at CES that just happened, and we'll talk about the PSVR two news. They had um, Neil Druckmann on talking about how they kind of have worked with the studio, so there is some you know integration there. But they just weren't Naughty Dog wasn't really talking about this movie, and I was kind of worried about whether they have any part in it but um so they're starting to now mingle and start to advertise it so that's pretty good but yeah so you're not uh not worried about the mustache callum
1: no i I mean i can't really grow a mustache so i'm not too sure what (laughs) what uh, a good must so maybe there's some like underlying subconscious sympathy there from from me to to mark
0: yeah like give me give me give me a chance you know it's hard out here to grow (laughs) (laughs) mustaches. (laughs) <laughs> this one was just uh, interesting to me. So Drinkbox Studios launching new game, Nobody Wants to Save the World, um, on January 18th. Now it's coming to Game Pass. Um, so uh, this one was just inter- interesting to me because of their history with PlayStation. So Guacamelee on and PS3 and, and Vita, and then they put out Severed on Vita first. Um, so it's a time-exclusive on Xbox. And uh, when asked about um, the release on PlayStation, Drinkbox says, we'd love to bring the game to other platforms in the future um any thoughts on this is it just something that you know happens these devs have these uh you know these connections with these studios or with companies like playstation and xbox just comes around and offers them more money and they just kind of go that direction
1: yeah exactly i mean that you're always looking for somebody to to fund the project or you know support or give money for a project so yeah i, I don't think there's much to to think of that. i think I think in this sort of day and age, I think if you're really into games and you know playing everything that comes out, I think it makes sense to not have just a PS5 or just an Xbox. It's worth, you know, going with a PlayStation and a PC or an, an Xbox and a PlayStation or something like that. Because I think that, you know, we do see things like this and it's gonna happen. And um but yeah, I'm sure it'll come to Playstation at some point. Um and I imagine that it kind of gives these games like a second lease of life as well to do that so um you can kind of see why people choose to to do these time releases as well but um, i'm sure it will come to playstation but yeah it's nice again this is a game that i think is perfect for game pass or playstation plus if it ever you know comes to that in the future because as much as Guacamelee's you know really really big and this will definitely have an audience already that will be chomping at the bit to get this i think it will probably reach an even bigger, you know, audience being on on something like Game Pass.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. We are seeing a lot of these games that first come out on Game Pass eventually come to PlayStation. Usually, it's about a year or so. But we have the Medium eventually come to PlayStation. Uh, the Ascent, which I played a couple months ago, that's coming. Uh, to, I think that's just rumored right now, but that's apparently coming to PlayStation again. Um, so yeah, we'll see this. I'm sure. Um, and it's a matter of I'm sure, you know, Sony has done this with say Fall Guys, where they offered them whoever whoever knows how much money. To premiere there on PS Plus, um, same way um, Microsoft does with Game Pass. But um, seems like Microsoft is backing up the truck a bit, with loaded with more money to offer these uh, these opportunities. And yeah, I mean, you, if you can launch with as many people playing your game as possible, especially if it's a new property, then that's the that's the way to go. Now we got the next one here: some great NFT news column. So Konami celebrating Castlevania's 35th anniversary by selling NFTs. Um, they announced that couple of days ago. Any thoughts on this? It seems kind of weird that, you know, no cool game presents for this anniversary, but they say, okay, we'll throw you some NFTs and see you later.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try and like not even look into this whole NFT thing. I'm not even sure if I still know exactly what they are beyond like the, the, the general common knowledge on them, but it's just, you know, it just reeks of not only like a, a kind of unethical perhaps way of making even more money that you know i didn't even know that they needed to make any more money than they already make by the current you know practices but it's just starting to become like one of those pop culture things where just even the just the mention of an nft is just so cringy and that you just kind of automatically think about all of the you know the kind of worst people that, that these conversations draw out um so yeah it's uh i can't say i'm surprised by this happening but yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. I think that maybe they should read the room um, and see that this isn't the the way that the people who are like buying their games would like to see them go. But I know that there's also um, a a kind of portion of people who think they're a good idea. Uh, but yeah, I I would hate to get too close to to what's going on to to you know accidentally start caring one way or the other.
0: I'm in the exact same situation where you know I follow it, but um, I don't have a you know a feeling either direction. I don't have a dog in the race, so it's just something that I see and I. What I take notice more online, reading Twitter like all day every day, is that there's way more of a negative uh, reception to these across the board. But the people that are into it, they're like you know drink have drank the Kool Aid. They're fully supported. There's nothing wrong with them at all. It's very interesting to me. But a lot of these companies have now started following suit. Um, I think Sega just recently said that they are now, they were looking into it, but they're not going to pursue it. So some companies do read the room, like you're saying, decide not to pursue it. There's the, um, um, oh, there's that dev recently with that that post-apocalyptic game um, that's coming to Xbox. Oh, um, Stalker. Stalker, yeah, they kind of uh, yeah. reverse their situation. So And some companies go, yeah, that's cool, we're going to keep doing it, and, you know, it's there. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, very interesting to me, but we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just going to like fall into like obscurity, like a lot of these kind of crypto related things do. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I I mean, I don't know about you, but it's something, you know, there's always something on social media or or something, you know, that's, you know, that as soon as you see something related to it, it's just going to draw the worst kind of people. So I know that. know anything no matter what your opinion is is on nfts and things like that the fact that they're like creating the kind of hostile hostile environment that it is it's obviously there's obviously something not good about them because otherwise they wouldn't be so like there wouldn't be so many people against them so as well i know i know a lot of people come out and say oh if you're against them because you don't know anything about them but there wouldn't be this huge, huge backlash if people were just like going off of like a hunch that they're bad. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's weird, and we're gonna you know hear more about them in this next year, so it's interesting. But uh, don't know what else to say about them. But it's happening. Um, now let's move on to we got CES 2021, 2022 just happened, and PlayStation was there. They revealed some more details on the PSVR 2, and I guess it didn't officially have a name, so they. Well, now we have PSVR 2 as the official name, which is cool. Um, and so I pulled up this uh, tweet here from Benji Sales on Twitter. So it kind of breaks down some of the announcements made. PlayStation VR 2 officially announced. We got 4K um, displays, OLED screens, HDR, eye tracking, 110-degree field of view, vibration in the headset, faux rendering, which I had to look up, and it's rendering where it's, it's pretty crazy where, and I guess some um, headsets have it. But wherever you're looking... Um, it will, and anything in your peripheral, it will kind of load less resolution textures. So it's almost like, um, there's that pop-in or like, um, the same thing. And it happens in normal games where it's like that FOV or whatever, or level of details, what it is, that same thing just on the, on your eye level of where you're looking. Um, so PSVR two supports that got 3d audio, new sense controllers, which we know, and then they showed off a little bit of horizon VR call of the mountain, uh, being developed by Gorilla games and fire Sprite. Um, what's um, we'll get into details, but tidy football seeing seeing some of these details and what do you think about PSVR two so far?
1: Uh, yeah, it's um, very exciting. Yeah. I think it sounds really great. All the all of the you know technical uh, announcements about it. I still think it's going to be difficult to compete with the Quest. Um, I think especially this holiday period. I think the Quest two is like one of the highest selling game related uh, things. Um, so it's going to be difficult because because it's such a standalone device, a lot of people are going to have the PlayStation and the Quest. So they're really going to have to c- continue to announce things exclusive to this headset, I think, before I'm convinced or I, I imagine most people with a Quest 2 are convinced. Um, Horizon's obviously a massive one that to, to you know start that off, and I think it it looks and will be great. So it's off to a good start for sure. I just hope to see... I think a big one that, that's probably on most people's minds is Half-Life Alex. I think if they can get something, uh, you know, some sort of <clears throat> deal to bring that to the headset, I think that would be a massive system seller um, and would probably be the only thing speaking out of things that I know, you know, exist. Um, it could probably be the only thing that would sway me at the moment, but we never know what, what could be announced.
0: Yeah. Same thoughts. Alex is a, a huge get, and hopefully they can work that out with Valve. Um, and that's really yeah, the big focus is going to be making sure that their dedicated software that only works on PSVR 2 is enough to bring people over. I don't know if the original PSVR did that for me. I was always kind of watching on the wayside, maybe jumping in. But as technology advanced and you have Oculus enter the room that has this device that works standalone and with your PC, and that allowed me to play Half Life Alex without having to spend like a ton of money on a Valve Index, um, that's the way I'm kind of leaning. So it's it's now a crazy um, competitive market with Oculus in the mix compared to when PSVR original launched. So it's going to be um, really interesting to watch as this comes forward and we get more details. And the big one is the price too, but um, with what they showed of horizon call of the mountain, have you watched this footage? what do you think? It's very short, but what do you think of seeing this footage here?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's, it looks, looks great. Um, I think it's always difficult to capture VR gameplay and display it in, in that way. But I think just the knowledge of anything horizon related in VR um and for it to be you know is that they've obviously got a lot of um talent behind it and a lot of uh you know hope behind it to to have it as the first official game to be announced for it so um yeah I'm sure it'll be great and it, it for, I'm sure for for a lot of people that will be enough alone to to make them perhaps consider switching over to Quest or making it their first VR
0: VR headset. Yeah, they didn't uh, announce that this is going to launch with PSVR2, so I don't know how long into its cycle this will release. Um but some news on that, so it's being co-developed by Gorilla Games and Firesprite. Sony acquired Firesprite in September 2021. Um so Firesprite's known for the Persistence VR, Playroom VR. Um they made Run Sackboy Run on Vita, um, and then the Playroom, the work of the PS4 and PS camera. Um, so I looked back into some of the past episodes. So we talked about this back in February 2021. There was a rumor um, that Firesprite was working on this um, next VR franchise that were tied to a PlayStation well-known franchise because they posted a job looking for for someone um, to work on that. So, But back then we didn't know what property it could be, and it turns out it was Horizon. Um, this was the one, when we were theorizing, I felt less likely because you have to move around so much in Horizon that's like, how's this gonna work? But seeing the footage of Call of the Mountain, Seems like you're going to stay in that boat and that makes sense with the locomotion issues of moving around in VR if you're stuck in there and you're just kind of on rails shooting at stuff and, and dealing with things. Um, it'd be cool if you can kind of control the speed of that person who is driving the boat and then you're just shooting off arrows and throwing bombs and stuff. But it um, looks really cool. I'm, I'm very hopeful for this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you've, you've got to be with, with something that's already established that is something that would be awesome to to move around in VR.
0: now i pulled up some sales data to kind of quantify like how much does psvr need to sell how much does it need to sell for so um here's some info on psvr on the original so as of january 2020 it sold 6 million units so it launched in the us for 399 and you're up for 399 pounds i think it's a little bit cheaper now um as far as peripherals go with xbox connects the uh xbox connect they sold 35 million units to date that was a 150 fifty dollar add-on device um you got meta quest um which i hate that that's now meta and not oculus quest but meta quest 2 has sold 10 million units from october 2020 to november 2021 so that's nuts as far as vr units um in the lifetime of psvr they've sold about 6 million so that's pretty crazy um ps vita has sold 10 to 15 million uh units and they have decided to let that thing die um valve index has less uh concrete sales data so they've sold an estimated 149,000 sets in 2019 alone, 103,000 which have, uh, were in the fourth quarter due to the announcement of the Half-Life Alex, which buyers received for free. Um, so it's interesting, but I wonder how much does this thing need to cost for Sony to to make their their quota? Um, and it's it's very interesting because this thing needs the PS5 to function. They haven't concretely said it's not going to work with PS4, but right now they haven't um, said what the backwards compatibility is with it um, but um, what do you think as far as the price we could expect considering like the actual hardware specs that we do know of how how much do you think this thing is going to launch for
1: yeah i think it's difficult because we don't as much as vr is popular we don't have a host of vr i mean obviously you have all your different uh phone ones or your your sort of smaller lower spec ones but in terms of like gaming VR headsets, um, there's not very many coming out often, so it's difficult to gauge how these things are pricing, how they're depreciating, and because obviously the Quest Two itself was cheaper than the Quest One, uh, whilst being you know much, much or a better device. So we we've got to expect that it is perhaps still lowering in 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 cost of these things as as the tech becomes more and more sustainable but obviously covid again might, might might change that as well but um yeah i'm not sure you, you'd have to hope that it's not if if it is to be more expensive than the first playstation vr was and you've got to hope it's not extortionate in in how much more it is i think that number is going to be used as a comparison the quest is going to be used as a comparison um So, yeah, I think it's difficult to put put a number on it, but you'd hope around the mark of the initial PlayStation VR. Because I think when you look at the kind of situations in which they were brought out, I think the PlayStation VR was probably about as high-tech as this perhaps is. Uh, So, yeah, I'd I'd probably say around around that same kind of price range.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that they are going to be competitive with the pricing. Um, Although the specs make me think that they're going for something that is more higher end compared to say the Oculus um, with the 4k displays and a different like vibration in the headsets. So they do have a, you know, a leg up by going that route. And then it's definitely cheaper than like, say the valve index, which is a thousand bucks and you need a PC to play it. So they are in that realm there where that's, that's some wiggle wiggle room. Um, and then, uh, one, one aspect I didn't really think about, but a lot of people are very negative on the Facebook integration with Oculus. And I think they're starting to roll that back. I don't know if that's happened yet. But people just overall don't like Facebook and the integration into Oculus. And that gives Sony some points where it's like not, you know, tied to that at all. Um, so there are some pluses there, but um, it comes down to the price. And the PS5 is already hard to find as it is. So if you have that tied to this super expensive add on that can give you a VR experience, but then you have the Oculus, which can give you something that is still comparable. It's gonna to be tough, um, but I'm hoping that they can price this thing competitively to, you know, actually be in the mix and not be this, you know, $600 thing on top of your PS5. But um, it's uh, really early to, to tell; too early to tell. But um, do you think we're gonna see this thing release in 2022?
1: I'd hope so. Uh, I mean, the, the we've got a lot of the year to go, so you are definitely, I think it'd be safe to hedge your bets on it. Um, I mean we'll at least see a huge amount more, I'd imagine, and if it is to be next year then we'd hope, you know, kind of earlier next year. But um yeah, I think you make a good point as well about Facebook. I think that's gonna be be huge and it's a real opportunity because Oculus is clearly the most popular device out there, but we've recently seen with all this new meta stuff and which is like universally detested, I think. Um yeah. I think stuff like that's only gonna push gamers away from Oculus as a VR headset, but obviously at the moment there isn't really an alternative choice. So when the PlayStation VR 2 comes out, that's going to be a real, uh, you know, it's going to be really inviting to people um, who who do maybe want to switch from from the Oculus, but also to games companies making VR games. I think having Sony, who's obviously in, who works with, you know, probably fifth, sixty, seventy 70% of the games industry, they're now going to be able to take pictures for, these same vr games that otherwise would have to go to oculus so um it's uh yeah i think it's going to just be a great thing to have as an option it's going to push everything forwards from a vr perspective i'm sure and and also it shows how um you know all in perhaps the industry is with vr because it's still getting supported we saw the vita get completely abandoned so for to to just get a second headset clearly shows how how invested they are into this
0: yeah, I think that this does uh, show for sure that Sony is interested in continuing with VR, obviously. But um, yeah, and it's it's also interesting where the original PS4, PSVR selling 6 million units. I don't think Sony needs to, they're looking to sell, outsell the Oculus because the last entry didn't sell very much as far as compared to Oculus level. So yeah, since they're coming at it from that angle, they're not expecting to sell that, much, uh, that many units. They just need to sell enough to kind of keep this thing alive. That makes me hopeful as well, because uh, at the end of the day, I'm worried about this competing with Oculus. But if they kind of carve out their own area where this isn't the same kind of experience, it's not as lightweight as 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 um, underperforming, I guess, you know, as Oculus does. This is kind of this next-gen VR experience that is still approachable compared to like a Valve Index. They have some, you know, some possibilities there with uh, succeeding, and I'm glad that they're still, at the end of the day, supporting this thing and not leaving it high and dry like the Vita um, and I'm hoping they have the software to actually make me commit to this thing. Because right now I have an Oculus. I have a PS5. I'd much rather just keep my Oculus, let it play with my PC and, and experience games that way. Um, so it's very interesting. I'm, I'm hoping that they they kind of keep this thing somewhat open, letting it work with PC. They have now a better relationship with launching games on PC. So maybe there's, I'm a bit hopeful there, where if they can kind of allow this thing to work with your PC that would have way more people interested in buying it because it's not then tied to the PS5 like the PS4 was with PSVR. Um, this thing does have a USB-C cable, so it's not this pr- proprietary uh, connection like the original PSVR was. So that makes me think that this thing could be working on your PC, and if not officially support- supported by Sony, people will figure out a way to work around it and let this thing work with your with your PC VR game. So I'm hopeful. It's, um, But yeah, I am thinking... We're going to see more, obviously, more info about this, but I'm thinking this thing will launch in 2022. There is a next tidbit of news about it launching in, in uh, 2022. So this here is from Game Rant. PlayStation VR 2 to reportedly begin production soon. A Chinese supply chain source claims a company named Geo Geotech. Ge- Geotech uh, that's an interesting one. Has landed a contract for PSVR 2 production. This seems to track as Geotech, previously partnered with Sony on components to its original PSVR and also supplies parts for the PlayStation 5. So possibly getting this thing already starting production uh, soon. So maybe 2022 is the year. It's exciting, Callum. It's exciting. Do you think? It'd be nice. It would be nice. Are you foaming at the mouth to get this thing? Or are you waiting for the software to make you interested in it?
1: Um, I think it'll be great. I I think um, uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty surefire fire, you know, thing, I think this is gonna be brilliant. I'm sure the haptics would be great. Um, you know, they're gonna probably like like all the consoles and kit that comes out now, you know, they've all got the greatest engineers working on them and everything. So I'm not worried from that perspective. It's just I need to see something that I know would be worth getting because there's nothing as it stands and and I I know it might sound a bit weird because we don't know much about the VR2, but you know as it stands there's, there's no reason for me to get one because i have my quest 2 i don't even ever really feel the need to use it on my pc mostly because where my pc is is not very it wouldn't be very good for playing vr but um if games like half life alex that i haven't played before and i'd and i haven't bought before then that would maybe sway me um amongst other things perhaps but at the moment happy it's been announced happy it's coming happy with everything it's you know uh, everything that it says about it but yeah but i'm not you know chomping at the bit to get one quite yet
0: yeah same here um but it's uh, i'm glad they're talking about it and we're going to see more info about it this year for sure so we got the next one here calum is uh some drama that unfolded about days gone on the internet this week uh days gone game director responds to tsushima sales praise at ces 2022 sony praise sucker punch for ghosts of tsushima passing eight million copies sold Jeff Ross, the director of Days Gone, who since left Sony Bend, chimed in with this tweet. He says, at the time I left Sony, Days Gone had been out for a year and a half and a month and sold over 8 million copies. It's since gone on to sell more and then a million plus on Steam. Local studio management always made us feel like it was a big disappointment. So this uh, sparked a big debate or just conversation about Days Gone. Did it get enough um, love for what they try to do and then eventually Sony deciding to not proceed with a sequel to, to Days Gone? And some of these uh, lead people leaving uh sony band eventually so that was the where it, where it left and people just talking about it but then there's an update on um on uh david jaffe's uh podcast he had um let's see i'm blanking on some of these names but he had jeff ross on so we got another update here from game informer kind of encompassing the whole thing in a recent live stream with former god of war and twisted metal director david jaffe Ross revealed that his source for the sales data numbers was a now defunct website called GameStat, which tracks PlayStation Trophy data, as reported by PushSquare.com. Here's what Ross said. Where I got my data from, I had access to a lot of telemetry, and I could see stuff. And when we were at 5 million copies, the telemetry data was at 5.8 million. I was actually using an external website. I think they're offline now, but they're using Trophy data, and it lined up with our internal telemetry data. So for me, it's like, good enough. Ross then said that when leaving Sony, you don't necessarily get final numbers for a game sales. Ross also said as a creative director, he didn't have access to the complete and official Sony numbers. Um, Cal, did you watch this unfold? How did you feel about some of these conversations with uh, Days Gone Sales?
1: Yeah, I, I saw the tweet and I think it's um, it's quite a difficult one because I think even with the uh, the update, it's not very, uh, he, he doesn't really go into detail about what he means by local studio management making them feel like it was a disappointment. Um, because, you know, some people are naturally, you don't know whether it's somebody being naturally, um, you know, pessimistic, maybe that's a kind of, a kind of, uh, trend in in that studio or whatever you don't, it's it's difficult to make a judgment on, on what exactly was said and why it was said or, or whatever, but from a, a kind of surface level, it seems like something that, you know, it's not something you want to have if you work, you know, really really hard on a project then even if it is a failure which Dave's gone obviously isn't uh, or if it is a disappointment then you don't want to make the people who worked on it feel that way because at the end of the day that doesn't take away all the work that went on it or or anything like that so um yeah it's, it's it's it doesn't sound nice but it's also a bit weird that to to kind of off the back of like a Ghost of Tsushima thing bring it up so um, I don't know I know there's been a bit of there's been quite a lot of drama from from people who worked on Days Gone so there's obviously something happened there but it can be difficult to kind of understand exactly what was said or what is being said as well.
0: Yeah it's super interesting where and we don't know the details but like it seems like Days Gone just the development cycle was plagued with issues where it ended up taking longer than uh, initially planned which happens you know in game dev but then you have the way these creative directors felt about maybe it was an um, advertising level from Sony or a promotion level from Sony where they just didn't put enough attention behind it. I wonder if Sony also is, they're really trying to make sure their first parties hit these like nine, 10 out of 10 Metacritic levels. And because Days Gone didn't get that initially, it also had issues with launch bugs and whatnot. They kind of felt this negativity toward it. Or this is just, like you said, kind of just the, within the studio them feeling like that was a reception from Sony. Um, but it's it's very interesting that they also didn't have the actual sales data. So that was some of the conversations online with... Um, you think that the internal studios would know how, how successful it is. Another way of looking at that is that maybe they keep that thing separate, the sales data separate from game development as it is, because they're kind of focused on just creating this thing itself. And then the financial side of things is just kind of separate from them. It's just not something that they are privy to or, or need to know. But you think they would be able to if they asked but um yeah what do you think about the studios not knowing some of the sales data
1: Yeah, but it's, it's quite bizarre i think um i think so, the sales kind of side of things is where for me it gets a bit more just a bit weird like a bit that's where you know you start to creep into corporate things and and so yeah it's easy to to kind of hear about something like, oh, they weren't, ref- they weren't told about how much it sold and things. And then that's where it, you can start to be, start to, you know, conspiracize about, uh, you know, studio management and things. And, you know, it, it makes it very interesting, especially in an industry where a lot of big game studios are publicly, you know, not r- ran well, or they don't have the best um, atmospheres at them. So it's easy to hear about these things and, and assume the worst. And, um, I think that, yeah, the whole day's gone thing. I think enough has come out of of whether it's a disappointment, you know, with, with it being pitched for a sequel and now this. I think that there's clearly something uh, has not gone wrong, but there's clearly a, tr- a troubled uh, kind of feeling about the development. Maybe it was really tough. and uh, But you've got to remember, you know, these people go, go through the trenches with each other, you know, give or take that the people who may leave halfway through a project or join halfway through a project and, This is why I mean. You never know. It could just be a bunch of throwaway comments or jokes that people make about difficult times. Or, you know, when you you look back at something that you worked hard on and you you might joke with a colleague, uh, you know, about how like you're super glad it's over or something like that. So you don't know what kind of comments were made, but it's just, yeah, you do kind of see Days Gone brought up in lots of conversations like this.
0: Yeah, I wonder a bunch about Days Gone where if... If it was too close to Last of Us, you know, with like with marketing, with just visually how it looks as far as kind of building out Sony's portfolio, first party games, if maybe, but then it would have been, you know, shut down or like told to take a different approach, I imagine, from Sony uh, higher ups. But um, there's that aspect to it. There's also, you mentioned how it was kind of weird to kind of rain on Tsushima's parade, uh, Sucker Punch's parade with that announcement of Tsushima doing um, well. But I can also understand where, if they already have this animosity within the studio with how they felt Days Gone was promoted, then you see um, Tsushima be now Sony's next uh, darling that they're promoting for eight million sales. When um, Days Gone did that, I can see where they would be, you know, feeling uh, v- uh, kind of negative on it. But I imagine that animosity isn't towards um, Sucker Punch as a studio because you know studios are going to have each other's backs, and I, I don't think that they were trying to cast shade on them. It seems like more of, hey, Sony didn't promote us like this new this new property did, and you know they felt uh, negative about it.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely understandable, and I think we've all been there where we want to say something, perhaps we shouldn't, but you know you have to just because you are, you know, you feel so passionately about it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with with it necessarily. But yeah, it is a bit. There's definitely an angle you can look at it where it's just a bit like, you know, sometimes you just don't really want to like make a positive into a negative but you can definitely see why uh, you can see the irony and in, in, in you know the tweet that he he retweeted
0: and i think these kind of comments uh take over the internet because the industry itself uh game industry is very secretive you know with um how you just feeling hearing how people within studios feel it's like you have to wait for them to leave and then years to go by before you get any kind of honesty even then still it's kind of shrouded under like they don't want to they just don't want to rub people the wrong way or they want to still work with uh, whatever company. So you just don't hear the honesty, but this is a industry based on people building these things and they're going to have feelings as people do. And I just like that we got a little bit of a uh, insight on at least the reception within the studio of like how they felt about, you know, Sony backing them up on this, um, whether it was true or not, I don't know. Um, but, um, it's been super interesting to hear, to hear this unfold. There is, and I wanted to throw this to you. There is a little bit of tidbit on resistance tied to this thing, so um, I'll go forward with this. Uh, some of the news here. So more info from David Jaffe interview on his podcast. This is encompassed by PlayStationLifestyle.net. Former Ben studio head Jeff Ross revealed that the studio had pitched an open-world resistance game to Sony after the release of Days Gone. Ross also revealed that Sony themselves were interested in a reboot of Syphon Filter of the franchise, but that he had zero ideas on how to do so. Ultimately, Sony declined both pitches Former Ben studio head, Jeff Ross revealed that the studio had pitched an open world, okay, I just copied and pitched the same thing. Here's a quote from Jeff Ross. The pitch I was making was an open world resistance would be fucking rad. All these open world loops that we figured out, it almost wrote itself with resistance where there's so many aspects of that property that kind of lends itself to open world gameplay, but they weren't interested in that either, and I don't know how well it sold, but yeah, they were interested in almost anything except for Days Gone 2. But how do you feel about almost getting some kind of resistance open world game?
1: Yeah, it kind of makes me sad because hopefully that doesn't mean that there's nothing being done. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also quite nice to know that, it, that there are conversations about it going on, um, Whether even if they are, you know, negative or rejected. It's it's good to know that uh, we're not the only ones who, who are thinking about it.
0: Although if this uh, possible resistance, resistance game was pitched after Days Gone, I imagine that wouldn't be pitched with them knowing that there's another resistance property happening. So that makes me think that there isn't anything right now, but at least stuff is getting pitched to Sony, and they're hearing it. But um, they, for some reason, haven't heard the right pitch that makes them go forward. But um, maybe
1: it got rejected because there, there's already one in going. I don't know. True. <laughs> That's just me being hopeful. But <laughs> right,
0: exactly. No, but yeah. But I think at the end of the day, Jeff uh, Jeff Ross would know that there's this other property, and he wouldn't even you know um, bring up possibility of doing another resistance if there's this other secret project going on but yeah Yeah. i'm hoping that there was there is another one but um yeah it's just an interesting insight to these games that are thrown out there to possibly get you know get greenlit and they don't and and end up coming to fruition but um yeah i'm I'm hoping that there's still a plan the right studio pitches the right idea for resistance or kill zone because you know we can't leave these properties um by the wayside we always talk about it like every week Yep, Calum. All right, move on to the next one. So that was very interesting over the week. We got some more news uh, drama with uh, Kevin Levine. So I'm always thinking about him every couple of months because he started this new studio, and it's been a while, and I always wonder, like, where's that game going? So we got some insight on this. So Kevin Levine's ambitious new game is reportedly in development hell. This is from Verge.com. According to Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, Levine's studio, Ghost Story Games, and its long-awaited debut project have been plagued by shifting design goals and an overambitious vision. It's not a new criticism of Levine, but it suggests that the game's nearly eight year waiting period might end, might not end anytime soon. Schreier's story indicates that Ghost Story was originally supposed to release a small game in 2017. The project was a sci-fi shooter set on a mysterious space station where three factions would respond to players' actions, but the project's scope was seemingly bigger than the 30 person team could handle, including a complicated dialogue system that would morph based on player choices. As of 2022, the project has apparently been rebooted multiple times and still has no name or release date, according to Bloomberg. Part of the delay stems from Levine's mercurial management style and perfectionism. Like previous reports from his time at Irrational, it describes a place where projects would get suddenly overhauled or scrapped after months of work. Um, Calum, how do you feel about hearing about this game not having any end in sight? And what do you think about Kevin Levine and some of the the things tied to his uh, you know work style?
1: Yeah I think it's a it's a real shame. Um I think any well this is clear that it could happen to anybody. You know Ken Levine's a big big name um obviously made some of the best games of BioShock and um yeah it's a shame to to see that you know he's having trouble with with his new kind of uh direction uh that, that he's taken but you know it's it's it is what it is. I'm sure he's he's no stranger to it. I mean I'm sure that BioShock went through pretty big um, you know upheaval as well, and they they, caught, they sort of had went through lots of delays and changes and reboots and things along the way. So um, yeah, it's just a shame that it doesn't look like he's getting himself out of this hole. But you never know; sometimes it does take years to to, to you know shape what you what it is you want to do. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see something from them at, at some point.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is when you, where you need a good. Um, a good person on the project producer that is kind of reining you in on these different ideas and directions you're going, and kind of having someone that is stopping you from just creating, creating without an end in sight. Because Kevin Levine is, you know, um, just a great mind in the industry, and I'm, I'm sure full of ideas and wants to follow all these different routes, which is great. But then you need someone who can also play on top of that and rail it back in and produce a game at the end of the day um i think of the uh there's the god of war documentary that came out uh, a while ago where they talked about that kind of ebb and flow between producers and directors and trying to figure out what to cut what to pursue and i think kevin Levine needs that but he's maybe such a huge well-known figure that there's no one to tell him no to anything and so he can just kind of obviously keep proceeding with the endless budget from a game that was supposed to come out in 2017 but um people like that or uh, you just need these these well known figures that can also be reined in and produce a product. And there's got to be this balance, and I don't think there's a balance happening here.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, yeah. It, there's clearly something uh, going wrong, and I think kind of that the whole scope thing is is you know something that that anyone who's tried uh, learning about game development is something that, that that always ends up hitting you in the face. Um, so. It just shows that, that that it can happen to anybody and it's it's just not, not easy to to get through these challenges. But yeah, like I said, he's you know, every day can be like that for for, you know, creative people where it feels like you're just never gonna make a breakthrough and then you do so he's gonna be used to this kind of feeling and um, you know, hopefully fingers crossed just for those people that uh, you know, they get something out that that they've been working on and they can show, you know, what the the kind of ambition is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I'll give uh Kevin Levine some slack where I can, un- I can only imagine like coming off of properties like Bioshock, the next property you're working on, people are going to absolutely be waiting for it and scrutinize it and going to want that same caliber of what Bioshock was. So I'm sure he's like making, you know, really just focusing on devel- developing something that is that same level so that it, you know, stacks up to that. So that's gotta be a lot of pressure. Um, then you're right where you have the studio that, wants to make sure that they produce something at the end of the day and have something to show for it. They're on that article. They go further on some of the conversations between devs in the studio. And they have this term it's like called conception where they would try to make him think that he's thinking of a idea on his own, uh, to kind of get it through the system. Like they were trying to, you know, almost trick him into like thinking, Oh, I've, I've, I've decided on this, uh, route to go through just to kind of guide him externally. <laughs> and it sounded really interesting, but, um, yeah, it's tough, man. I'm hoping that they produce something, and I'm just a huge fan of uh, of his games, and and I want to see this thing. Um, so I'm just also waiting for this game because I want to play it. But um, I'm hoping that they kind of have an idea on how to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it, at least, I, I guess, the silver lining is it's putting eyes back on something that you know maybe no nobody had given much thought to in a while.
0: Right. Exactly. All right, Cal, we got the next one here. Naughty Dog dying to share its multiple game projects in production for PS5 and PS4. It's from PushSquare.com. During its CES 2022 keyno- keynote overnight, Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann featured to talk a little bit about its collaboration with Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions on the Uncharted movie. Druckmann closed with a brief tease saying, we're dying to share with you the multiple game projects we have in the works at Naughty Dog. We know the team is working on a standalone multiplayer adaption of The Last of Us 2. While there are rumors, it's also remaking the original game in the series. Outside of that, it's developing a Chartered Legacy of Thieves collection for PS- PS5. It's uh, probably safe to assume it's in the prototype phase of something new to boot. So tied with that, we got this uh, news update from Tom Henderson, who is uh, kind of leaking various game uh, you know, stuff online. Um, so he says, I Heard from multiple people now that the Last of Us remake is nearly finished and could release during the latter half of 2022. Um, tied with this also Callum is people debating do we need a Last Fish Remake which we talked about when there's some of, the, some of those rumours but how do you feel about possibly getting a Last Fish Remake for PS5 this year and do you think we need it
1: I don't know I mean I, I'll have to wait and see what it's like I, I suppose just because I can't imagine what it's going to be like and whether I would like it because I still have a weird feeling that it's going to be like a an adaptation of the series if that makes sense um, but I'm really not sure because it, it does just seem like such a bizarre idea. So the only way I can justify it is if they are doing, you know, like a Ratchet and Clank style, it's a remake of the, it, you know, the, there's a, there's a series or a film based on the game. And then they've made a game based on that, you know, series or film. So maybe it's something like that, but yeah, we're just going to have to, to wait and see. Cause it is a, it does seem like quite a strange, uh, choice.
0: Yeah. It's, it's strange where, um. This game has been rumored to be in development for a while and it's changed hands from another studio to now back to Naughty Dog. So if it has been worked on for a bit now, uh, if you compare this to the show, which this is probably going to launch kind of to promote maybe in tandem with the HBO series, are they making this like the HBO series with the same characters, you know, character models in their place and the same story story beats? But then this game has been in development for a lot longer, I imagine, than the show. So how are they linking up with getting the story beats the same for the the remaster. We've seen uh, issues with, like, say, um, Game of Thrones, with those being based on the books and having those issues of are the is the story ready for this ad- adaptation and then deciding to go their own route at the end. So I wonder if this is just a uh, fully, you know, remaster all of, of all the same components of the original Last of Us rather than just the kind of tied to the HBO show. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to help promote that HBO series. So I'm hoping that it launches this you know around the same time but um i i do want to see this cuz i imagine like in this this uh, beefed up naughty dog engine for the, that they use for Last of Us 2 seeing that with Last of Us 1 which isn't that old but also just a fresh coat of paint looking really uh great i would still play that so i also <laughs> i'm on board with this
1: yeah i mean it would definitely be interesting but i just i think as long as it it's just going to be so odd because you've got Last of Us 2 which is a sequel to the first Last of Us so what does that where does that then place last of us 2 is it going to still make sense because then that would mean that the remake is going to be beat for beat the same as the first game so it's just a really weird situation and i think we we can kind of maybe comment on it a bit better when we just know like what it is they're kind of going for because it just sounds so just like such an odd an odd plan but um you know you never know maybe it's gonna fit in some way or uh you know be marketed or or you know, released in some way that, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've also heard rumors online of uh, Last of Us 2 Director's Cut for PS5. We saw that with um, Tsushima, with um, with Death Stranding. So I think it's fair to say that we'll see that with um, Last of Us 2 because that was such a huge property, such a huge release on PS4, which I'm kind of holding off on replaying because I want to see that on PS5 with everything, all the bells and whistles, maybe some ray tracing um, so I'm hopeful that that releases this year too. So maybe this is a year of the last of us, just celebration, but, uh, I can't wait for more info. Now, Calum, we've got the last one here. Sony reveals PlayStation tournaments coming soon to PS5. Sony SIE president and CEO Jim Ryan revealed during CES 2021 that PlayStation will soon offer a tournaments feature in an upcoming PS5 update. No further details were, re- were revealed, but with PlayStation acquiring the popular fighting tournament Evo last year we could potentially see players allowed to join tournaments through PS5s as well as watch live events. Um, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're a big fighting game fan, but how do you feel about this integration of PS5 as a possibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be interesting, um, like an eSport kind of uh, functionality. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's not for me, um, but yeah, we'll see, see, uh, see how that develops.
0: Yeah, if they can have you at least like, People that want to watch this, they can jump in and watch live. And then if you can, from your home, jump into a tournament and could open it up to way more people joining this whole, uh, the whole esports thing, not having to travel and still being, you know, really good at whatever game from their couch um, could be really cool. But yeah, it's, it's not, I'm not a huge fighting game, uh, fighting game fan either. But uh, yeah, it's nice that they're integrating this and they bought Evo for a reason. It seems like to integrate that into PS5, PlayStation in general, but um, yeah, that is dope. I'm just terrible at fighting games. Um, I buy them every once in a while, still. Like I bought the last Mortal Kombat, knowing I suck, um, just because it's so pretty, but um, and horrifying. But uh, yeah, had fun with it. I'm just terrible. That's
1: the thing that they they always look great. I mean, Injustice Two is it, and yeah, Mortal Kombat, and they all just look absolutely brilliant. I guess because it's such a focused like viewport for the player that they have so much time to really create a style and make sure everything. Looks and flow. I mean, it's always like the animation as well that it's just really. They they, they always seem to have like the top top hand kind of animation, and they have to. Um, so yeah, there's a part of me that wishes I was good at them because then I'd like them. But yep. for now, you know, like you said, I just they just look nice. So sometimes that's the only reason I'll I'll switch one on.
0: Yeah, same. All right, Cam, we'll end it there for the week. Uh, where can they find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Bear Monroe.
0: Awesome. And you can keep up the show on Twitter as well, at Plastic Pod. That's it for us this week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you later.